It is, it is good to be here with you. Um, I love, I love uh, my time. I feel like it's a privilege of being able to uh, come up here and uh, read scripture and learn about it with you all and dive in. And I consider many of you dear friends of mine. Um, I, also, I also want to acknowledge the fact that there are new people uh, in this room. Some that I have met this morning, some that I remember from childhood of uh, seeing a familiar face but having not connected in a long time. And I want, to, uh, I want to name something, that it is not easy to come into a room where you don't know anybody but maybe one or two people. Um, so what you're feeling, if you're new, I get that. I actually experienced that a couple weeks ago. A few weeks ago, I was at a seminary um, for the whole day. And I remember the amount of anxiety that I had as I was kind of gearing up for this long day of learning and and meeting new people and meeting professors and, and like all of this. Like it just did something inside me where I didn't want to engage. And I walked in. And everybody was so kind. Like, I don't want to, like, they were amazing people. They were beautiful. They were smiling. It's kind of like when you walk in um, and you see our greeters, like, that's what it felt like. And then we go to chapel. And I am keenly aware of what everybody's doing because I didn't want to stick out like a sore thumb. Like, I, I'm watching people sing. I'm watching people stand. I'm watching people uh, get up and we're taking communion. And they go around and uh, they kind of do like us where it's, it's all kind of centered around this communion table. And they all start a single file line. And then there's a bowl of water. And I'm like, I think I know what you're supposed to do with that, but I better watch what they're going to do with it. So the first person comes up, and he dips his, his hand in there, and he does the cross. And I was like, hey, I grew up Catholic. I know, what that, <laughs> I know how to do that. And so I immediately, like, there was a tradition that I was familiar with, but there was still, like, I'm well aware that I'm not part of this community yet. And then after this chapel service, which was amazing and moving and powerful, uh, we go out to this commons area. <laughs> so I go out to the commons area. And again, I don't know anyone. I start watching people connect with one another. And I just go and I kind of sit down. And I realize I made a mistake. Because there wasn't a single person sitting down at that moment. And I remember getting up, just kind of like playing it cool. I just kind of like, yeah, I, I just had to sit. My, tie my shoe is what I did. Um, And then they start, this guy gets up on the steps that kind of overlooks this commons area, and he um, starts asking people for praises or prayers. And when he's asking for them, it's this really cool moment of being vulnerable and asking people to pray for you and thanking God for uh, what, what you've experienced. And so... They start lifting up prayers, um, and when they do that, they do this hand motion um, for lifting up prayers where their palms are to the sky, and they lift it up. And then when you're offering praises, it's different. It is not the same. They do this, where they raise their hand to the sky, and they start doing this. Now, um, where I went wrong was they asked for prayers, and I went like this. And I knew it. I knew it, because someone looked at me. (laughs) 
they're like, hey, uh, that's not a praise. That is a prayer. That is a significant prayer that we're asking God for. So, um, but I immediately felt like I did not belong. It wasn't any of their doing. They were kind and beautiful people. But I just felt like I didn't belong. And there's this distinct feeling that we get when we don't. I imagine some of you may have had that before. We've all started a job for the first time. Walking into that job, I'm sure that you've had some anxiety. That is normal. Who am I going to see? Who am I going to meet? Where am I going to sit? All of those questions come to mind. Or, because it's Christmas season, you go to a spouse's Christmas party. I asked somebody this morning, I was like, hey, how do you feel when you go to a Christmas party for your spouse? And his response was, well, and I was like, you don't have to finish that. I already know. I already know what it does to you. Because you want to know, hey, are so-and-so going to be there because I connect with them? Who are we going to be sitting with? What are we going to be doing? Like all of this feeling of not belonging produces anxiety and it makes us not want to engage. I want you to think back to a time where you felt that, where you felt like you have not belonged. Maybe it is when you went to a party and you didn't know a whole lot of people. Maybe uh, your kid has a school function and you go there um, and you're like, I don't know a lot of the other parents. And what it causes you to do is it causes you to want to cling to somebody that you do know. Or you kind of take out your phone and you look busy and you just start scrolling, hoping people don't see how uncomfortable you actually are. Am I painting a good enough picture of what it looks like uh, to be uncomfortable? To not have familiar people there, to feel like you don't belong. And I wonder how often we feel like that and what it causes us to do. So now I want to do something different for us, okay? I want us to do an exercise, and what I'm going to ask you all to do is I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, okay? Go ahead, close your eyes. And I'm going to play a song for you, and when I play this song for you, I want you to think about the feelings that come to mind, all right? So go ahead, and we can play that song. Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy. Good, thank you. That's good. Thank you. All right, you can open your eyes. All right. Who are some brave ones out there? What are some words that came to mind when you heard that? Peace. Good, thank you. It's another one. Tradition. That's good. Thanks, Christine. Who else? Yeah. Thank you. I asked my son that when we played that song. And the name, what he named was Cozy. And I thought that was a good one. The complete opposite of not feeling like you belong, but this word like this cozy feeling. I've been blaring Christmas music even before Thanksgiving because I'm a rebel. And when I do that, I'm blaring it because I love the feeling that it invokes in me. I love that sense of home and that cozy feeling that my son named and that warmth and that peace 
and their traditions that it brings up. Like it brings up all these feelings and it's the complete opposite from my experience at the seminary. And I longed for that. And what we're doing this, this Christmas, this Advent season, Advent starts next Sunday, and it's where we lead up to Christ's birth. And what we're doing is we're going through the songs of Christmas, okay? And the reason that we're going through the songs of Christmas is because we remember them. They are familiar with us. We've been listening to them their whole life. But more importantly, we're looking at the songs of Christmas to not just look at their traditions, but we're also looking at them, at the scripture that they point to. When we look at the songs of Christmas, I want us to recognize that these are not just songs that make us feel warm and cozy, but they point to a message about Christ being born that we should be paying attention to. And the song that we're going to be, we're going to be uh, looking at today is Hark the Herald Angels Sing, the song that I just played for you. And my hope for you is that when, I, when we're listening to this message and when we dive into the scripture that it points to, because it points to the moment that the greatest announcement on earth was made, where the angels announced that Christ was born, the Messiah, that, that people have been praying for, prophets have been documenting this Messiah coming to earth for thousands of years. And the moment that it finally happens, the angels announce it. And I want us to recognize who they announced it to and the significance of who they announced it to. Because I think we might lose that as we read the scripture, as we listen to this song. So, a uh, quick question for you. How many have used the word hark before? No? Imagine that. Who knows what hark means? Nope. Didn't think that either. Hark is what it means to listen. It just simply means, listen, pay attention because I have an announcement for you. I have something big that I want you to pay attention to. Okay? And so hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. And what they're pointing, what the author, okay, of this pointed to, the author, by the way, is Charles Wesley, the last name for you church nerds, uh, church history nerds that might... might recognize the last name Wesley, John Wesley, Methodism. He he founded Methodism. His his older brother, Charles Wesley, is the one that wrote this hymnal. And he wrote over 6,000 of them, okay? And when he wrote this, he heard some church bells on Christmas morning as he was going to a church service, and he thought about the scripture in Luke 2. And that's the scripture that we're going to be reading through. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead, go to Luke 2, um, and you can jump there. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be up on the screen as well. So in Luke 2, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths 
and placed him in a manger. That is really important, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Many of us have Christmas traditions as we enter into, okay? Um, we have a Christmas tradition on my, on my wife's side. When we go there, it is filled with like 30 plus people, okay? And her grandparents have this amazing tradition of having a great-grandchild read Luke 2. And so we, I have listened to this, I have read this, and there's this moment where 30-plus people are listening to the voice of a child read God's word, and the only word that comes to mind for me is this sense of humility. It's this innocence, this humility that I hear as they're reading this. And as I'm reading the story, I can't help but notice the humility that is flooded in this story of Christ being born. When we look at this and we look at a poor young teenage girl who is pregnant with the Son of God and married to be Joseph, married to, uh, and married to Joseph, this is a moment where we recognize this is not a powerful family. This is not a family of influence. This is a meager and humble family that just so happens to be carrying the Son of God. And when he's born, they go, and they're not allowed room anywhere. This isn't a powerful family where people recognize them and they say, hey, you can come in here. No, no, no. What they do is they say, we don't have any room for you. In fact, where they go is they're surrounded by animals and they're placed in the manger. The reason I asked you to pay attention to the manger is because a manger was a trough that animals would eat out of. The Son of God is born and not placed in, a, in this castle or in this place that's filled with gold and servants. He's placed in a trough that animals eat out of. And so when I talk about the word humility, I want you to understand that Luke is painting a very good picture of how the child, how the Son of God was born. And if we pay attention to this, we also understand that they didn't have a sense of belonging. That when they walked into this town and they were, re- they were told that they don't have any room and they were left to be surrounded by animals, they didn't feel a sense of belonging. It's similar to how you and I feel when we're clinging for someone familiar, when we're clinging for someone that just welcomes us. Because being an outsider never feels good. And when we are an outsider, I want you to pay attention to this. Oftentimes, outsiders choose to disengage rather than engage. So I want us to continue, and I want us to to understand the backdrop of what's happening in this moment, okay? And then we get to the greatest announcement of the world, where the Messiah is born. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I love this moment. Anytime that you see an angel appear, they always say, do not be afraid. They're like, don't freak out, please. I know, I know. This is a lot to take in. I'm an angel. You probably weren't expecting me. You were living out here in the fields, taking care of your flock. But I, just please don't freak out. 
I know what this probably does to you. And he says, don't freak out. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Not just for some. Not just for those who, who belong, but also those who don't belong. I bring you because great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Right away, he addresses the shepherds. And I want us to understand what's happening here because we just got done talking about he was born to Mary and Joseph, this humble parents, right? He was born to these humble parents that weren't people of influence. And then he was born surrounded by animals, right? Placed in a manger, placed in a trough where, where, where there would be animals that would be eating out of it. Because nobody would allow room for him. So he was born in a humble surrounding. And I think when we read through that, if you're like me, we read through that and we say, that's really significant. But we don't see the humbleness continue in that story. Or we really just cling on to those two moments in that story as being a sense of humility. And I think what we might miss is that the highest of highs, these angels, the messengers of God, they come, and out of thousands of years of praying for this moment to happen, they announce it to the world. The highest of highs, these angels, announce it to all the world through not people of influence, but shepherds. That right there is the significance of this moment of who they announced it to. Every Christmas when we would read this, I wouldn't pick up on it. And I feel like I missed it. Because I wanted, when we think of shepherds, I asked some friends this uh, earlier. I said, when you think of a shepherd, what do you think of? And they're like protectors. And people who are watching over their flock. And humble people and meager And if I start to listen to those descriptive words, I say, I wouldn't mind being described that way. And we wouldn't be alone in wanting to be described that way. To support that, John documented how Jesus described himself. In John John 10, verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Even Jesus considered himself a good shepherd. And it seems like shepherds are well-liked. Well, what if I were to tell you this? What if I were to tell you that shepherds weren't well-liked? What if I were to tell you that they were despised people, that they were considered to be very similar to tax collectors? They were the lowest of the low. Tax collectors, right, they're collecting money from people who consider the Roman Empire the enemy, So they're collecting money from them, pocketing some of it, and giving the rest to the enemy. And the shepherds are considered that status. How many of us would would know that about shepherds and where they would fit into the caste system? 
Just a couple months ago when we went through Genesis and learned about how Joseph forgave his family and then he sends for his family to come and live amongst them, I want you to pay attention to the words and the instructions that he gives to his family as they're about to meet Pharaoh. You shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock. We've been shepherds. From, From our youth even until now, both we and our fathers in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Shepherds weren't well respected. They weren't considered this respected people group that would look over their livestock, that would be selfless, that would be protectors. They were considered the lowest of the low. And so for thousands of people, for thousands of years, people have been praying for this moment, for this announcement. And of all the people for God to announce it to, he announces it to a despised people group. Kenneth Bailey is a world-renowned New Testament scholar, and I want you to listen to the words that he shares about this, this moment in Luke 2. Rabbis saw shepherds as unclean and low status, So the shepherds were afraid of more than just angel choirs. From their point of view, if the child was truly the Messiah, the parents would reject the shepherds even if they tried to visit him. Hearing that the babe, the Messiah, was lying in a manger reassured them that he was in a humble home. This was their sign, a sign for lowly shepherds, he adds. Luke writes in Acts that the shepherds left Bethlehem, praising God for all the things They had heard and seen. And all refers to the quality of the hospitality that welcomed Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, and the shepherds. These were people who did their best and it was enough. I love that part. The shepherds were people who did their best and it was enough. The shepherds were welcomed at the manger and the unclean were judged to be clean and the outcasts became honored guests. As I sat and I was preparing for this message, it hit me. I wonder how often we look at the birth of Jesus and we truly take in who the announcement was to. Because if we pay attention to who the announcement was to, we understand who it was for. What if, what if God sent the angels to announce it to the most powerful people in the world at the time? Do you think these shepherds would feel like they belonged? I don't think so. There isn't a chance that they would. There was intentionality of who God announced the birth of his son to. And and if we pay attention to who God announced the birth of his son to, then it helps us to know who the good news is for. I think of the way that we go about our lives as we look at who belongs and who doesn't. And the best way, like this this mathematical concept that you may have heard us use before, I want to go through it again today. And it's called bounded set versus centered set. And it's this, this idea that we have two ways of looking at people in our life 
or social aspects or political views or whatever it is, okay? And the, I want to give you a good kind of illustration of what this, what the bounded set looks like, okay? So we're all, most of us are from Michigan. Some of us are not, but most of us are from Michigan. And if you were to say to somebody, okay, you would know they're from Michigan if you were to say, where are you from? And they would pull out a map. Do you know what that map is? It's their hand. They wouldn't know exactly where to point to. They would say, yeah, yeah, I'm right here from Grand Rapids, right? Or um, you would see a dent in the side of a car and know exactly where that's from. Patrick Scott was helping us out on, uh, on uh, setup just a couple weeks ago, and he was towing a trailer. And I went out there, and I see this huge dent. And I was like, when did that deer run into you? And I was like, ah. Somebody who's not from Michigan would not be aware of that, okay? Or people who don't know what euchre is. They think it's a food, and it is not. It is a game that many people in Michigan know about. And if you don't know what euchre is, you automatically would be considered an outsider, So when we look at this and we say who's from Michigan and who's not, that is a bounded set. We have created a circle around what means that you're in and what means that you're out. Again, political views, social views, even, this breaks my heart, even in the church. We see a lot of that in our society. We see it in the church too, where we pay more attention to our own interests. We pay more attention to what we're doing and we don't consider another person and we have created circles. But here at Jamestown Harbor, we are a centered set because instead of a circle, we remove that circle and what we do is we put a cross right in the center. And what we do is we pay attention more to the movement of that person. Is a person taking a step towards Jesus? Is he he or she standing still? Are they moving away from Jesus? We care more about that person in their walk with Jesus than we do about a boundary that we have created that keeps them in or out. Because if I were to look at this story about the announcement that the birth of Son of God, and the Messiah is coming, then all I need to look at is who it was announced to. Because the angel went to the shepherds, a people group. It says they were living out amongst their flock. And when they were living out amongst their flock, everything in history, right, the documented history tells us that shepherds were not respected. Can we bring that bounded set and centered set back up, please? Thanks, Isaac. They felt the bounded set. They felt like they were on the outside. And that is not a good feeling. And then the angels came. And out of all the people to announce it to, they say, you guys, I want you to go to meet the son of God. He was just born. That gives me chills to think about the empowerment that they experienced at that moment. That took away that circle. And then they started walking towards Jesus. 
And in order for them to feel comfortable, he says, hey, hey, just so you know, he's lying in a manger. The significance of that moment, of what he's telling them in that moment, is that, hey, you're familiar with this. I want you to experience, I want you to know how humble this setting is. He's lying in a trough where, where, where animals eat out of. He re- the angel removed the circle for those shepherds. As we look at this Advent season, as we look towards the, the birth of Jesus, I wonder about the circles that we've created in our lives. Who we think are in or out. For you Michigan fans, Ohio State. For Michigan State, it's everybody else. But I do wonder who we consider in or out. I wonder if there's a family member that we haven't talked to in a while. I wonder if we have a friend that we haven't spoken to and we had a falling out. I wonder what it looks like for us to remove the circle and just ask them to join you for coffee. I wonder what it looks like for us about conversations that we're having with people. And it's really easy during this time to talk about somebody else and how they're in or how they're out or whatever gossip that looks like. I wonder what it looks like for us to be people who follow Jesus and understand that that is nasty and gross and it doesn't lead to anybody taking a step towards Jesus. Or maybe you're the one that feels like the outsider. Maybe you're the one that was afraid to walk through these doors because you don't feel worthy. I want you to hear this message. I want you to understand why Jesus was born. I want you to understand why the announcement came to the people that it came to. Because the truth is, we're not all worthy. And that's why Jesus came here and died for us. To show his grace and mercy for people who are unworthy. And that's okay, and that is good news. That is good news for everybody. To close out this message, I want to share these words from the Apostle Paul. It's in a letter he wrote to um, the church in, a, in Ephesians, um, in Ephesus. And then um, what I want to do is I want to pray for us after this. But the words that the Apostle Paul uses it talks about taking steps towards Jesus and removing circles. So to really absorb this, I'm going to ask that you uh, close your eyes and I'm going to read this and then I'm going to pray for us. So will you please close your eyes? Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, 
being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Will you join me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, God, we are amazed at your intentionality to help us to know what your heart looks like who, and who your heart is for. God, as we look towards this Advent season in the birth of your son, God, that you, you teach us to live in a humble way to consider others. And God, if we're not doing that, God, we pray for your forgiveness. Please forgive us for our sins that we have created a bounded set. God, allow us the courage and the wisdom and the strength to lean into moments where we can be a centered set people, where we can point people to you in your son. God, we are amazed by your grace and mercy. Let us not forget that throughout our interactions, throughout our relationships. And God, let us always take next steps towards you. We love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.